0: On vinyl analysis, we talk to the authority on Bruce Springsteen, George Wolf. It is all about the boss's 1975 album, Born to Run.
1: This album, for me, is very much a start to finish record because um, he has said before that it's a album that can be looked at as one complete day, and it's kind of what happens That's throughout true, an man. entire day. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Final analysis, and I am your host, Arch Madness. Along with me, as always, every single week, producer Greg Hansberry. Yo, 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 yo. <sighs> I, 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 look. I'm gonna say it again. You are amazing. You're amazing. I like it. You do such a great job. Uh, I listen to the Dan Orwin, and it's like, my God, you take out my is and my dews, and, <laughs> and you just the bells and the whistles in the production. It sounds great. Let's make sure the bosses hear this one. Thank All you right. for Thanks, being Arch. you, Greg Hansberry. Thank you. Uh, We're going to do Bruce Springsteen's 1975 album, Born to Run. This is Bruce's third studio album. He had two singles released on this bad boy, Born to Run and 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Our guest today, radio personality, film critic, podcaster, musician, and expert on all things... I'm not booing. I'm going... Bruce, it's George Wolf, George, what is up, man? Thank
1: you, Archie. I'll tell you what, I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this. I know we've kind of talked about it for a while, you know, and uh, I've been trying to study up, you know, with, go back and take care of any areas of, of Bruce knowledge I, I didn't know. Come
0: on, come on. But, nobody but, and George, and it's funny because everybody was talking to me, they're like, what album? First they say, what album you doing? Yeah, and then I said we're gonna do Born to Run. Yeah, well, you, you're gonna have George on. <laughs>
1: well, of course I'm gonna have George on. Yeah, I appreciate it. I I, I do because uh, yeah, this album, all the albums, just you know, I I'm such a such an admirer, aficionado of Mr. Let, Springsteen. Well,
0: let's hear it, man. What does this? How does this record rank for you as far as in the uh, Bruce Springsteen collection?
1: Well, it, it's it's still my favorite. Um, it really is. Perfect!
0: Uh, this is gonna be a good one then, Hansberry!
1: It's such, it seems like such a cop-out to say that. Uh, maybe the bigger cop-out would be Born in the USA, but it's just one that you never, I never get tired of listening to, and I love almost all the songs so much, are among my favorites in his entire catalog. And I, You know, I like all his albums for different reasons, but yeah, every time anybody pins me down, I've gotta say this one, it's so great from start to finish. Uh, it can give you, a, at least me, give me a different feeling every time you listen to it. What if you listen to it, start to finish.
0: This is a start to finish record. Oh, very and, much and, so. and really for those who don't, uh, that don't really dig the Springsteen vibe, lyrically, this, this guy is on another level as far as a lyricist. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the live show. We'll talk about everything else, but I mean, it. it's, it's story time. And, and I'm, I'm once again, this is the third week in a row where I've used the term blasphemous, but almost in a Dylan way, where he tells a story. And the and the lyrics and the words are so important to Bruce. Yes,
1: that's what really hooked me in uh, to Bruce as an artist. I mean, because I first got, really probably the first song I heard from Bruce was Born to Run the Single. Because back in the 70s, I was a very meticulous listener of Casey Kasem's Top Forty uh, every week, I would sit there and I would make my own list. I, I would did chart the same it thing up. with Rick D. Okay, so you know, so the first that was his first Top Forty single, "Born to Run." So then I was, you know, okay, I liked it. And then he got, uh, but I didn't have enough money back then as a kid to buy the album. So uh, and then a couple years later, he had a Top Forty single with "Prove It All Night" from "Darkness on the Edge of Town." So you know, I liked that one. And then finally, when it got when he finally made his big hit breakthrough with "Hungry Heart." Then I had the cash from the lawn mowing. There you go to pick up the album. So that's what really started the ball rolling. And then I went back and got you know the albums that I didn't have um, and started listening to them. But yeah, you're right. Lyrically, that's what drew me in because as you know, I'm a big movie person, and his songs to me are very cinematic. They tell those stories. Uh, they they drew me in that way. You take. Take a song well, like like uh, the first song on Born to Run is is, is uh, Thunder Road, and it opens. You know the opening line is the screen door slams, Mary's dress waves, and but then and then it ends. The ending is a town for little losers. We're pulling out of here to win. Okay, what happens in between that opening and that closing? You know, and he has so many songs like that where it starts out one way, and then he just takes you on this ride before sending you out with some crescendo or maybe on a downbeat. You know, they're not all you know happy. There's a lot of heartbreak oh, no, going on no. in these too. But, it's Jersey, man. Yeah. Tell me how, many, how much line. happiness is going on in Jersey. <laughs> exactly. And it's about, this album for me is very much a start to finish record because um, he has said before that it's an it's a album that can be looked at as one complete day. Uh, you, that, early, that early harmonica in Thunder Road can be a morning, kind of a dawn, and then by the time you're out of Jungle Land, you're into the night. And it's kind of what happens that's throughout the entire day. Yeah,
0: that's that is cool. A good, that is no, that's that's no yeah, right be, on, man. It takes you on a little road It absolutely does, yeah. and
1: it can be looked at in that way. And it's and it's he has said also in many interviews that he has viewed his entire career for his longtime fans as a as a conversation. He's having a conversation with his longtime fans throughout all these albums, and that's very much how I feel. Uh, some of these characters, really, the themes that he has addressed so many times in so many songs and albums kind of started here. Uh, You had those first two albums that didn't do well. And so by the time it got to this album, he knew it was pretty much make or break for his career. I mean, if he put out another dud, he was going to be in trouble. And so uh, he really put everything into this album. He said that he wanted his, his feeling about this album was to make the, you know, the greatest rock and roll record ever. You know, just throw it in with that wall of sound production. Like, you know, I'm putting everything into this because it may be my last chance. You know, my desert island kind of a a record and just throwing everything in there. And then that's why he was so meticulous about it. If you read some of the interviews and some some of the documentaries. I've
0: read stuff about this record and the making of it over the years. And uh, my God, what a lot of pressure. This was it. This was it because... And I mean, let's think about where Bruce is now and his iconic status. But to go back, you know, to 1975 and have it all on the line, yeah. And for a guy to, I mean, his music's different, man. It's different. It's different than a lot of other stuff. I mean, it's you know, and the live show, and we'll we'll talk about the live show and the concerts and what that brings. But for a guy to 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 really hone his lyrics the way and be a lyricist like like Bruce is to come up with an album that was so special that's that's hard to do man yeah, there's only
1: like, like there's like maybe one guy that can do that and it's him <laughs> and it was this was an album of a lot of firsts for his career this was the first album that uh, had Roy Bitten where Roy Bitten came on his keyboards and Max Weinberg on the drums so you had the the band coming together there also the first album where um, Little Steven started a, started to assert a little yeah. bit of musicianship he arranged the horns on a 10th Avenue Freeze Out so you had more of what is going to be the band for the next several years coming together here and his lyrics too as as great as they are in this in this album they they start to be for me a little more a little more pinpointing, because if you look at some of those uh, the, or, or the songs before this, like even like his original version of "Blinded by the Light," you've got you know "Madman Drummers Bummers Indians in the Summer." That's very stream of consciousness, very like a Rolling Stone type of lyrics. And here he starts to pinpoint it just a little bit more and do the storytelling on a bit of a finer point. It might have been easier to to sell to mainstream audiences, I think, but still take you on these incredible rides inside these songs.
0: So you you say this record ranks. People think uh, Born in the USA as far as uh, commercial success. Oh, yeah. But this was a lot more. He needed a lot more than just uh, commercial success. He had to really build... Uh, the empire that we know right now, it all kind of started with this third record.
1: Yeah, it did. It also was the first record where he brought John Landau on as his manager and co-producer that had a lot, a lot of influence. That's a, that's a partnership that's still going on today. This got him on the, the famous or infamous double magazine covers. It got him on the cover of Time and Newsweek at the same time for his, you know, making of a rock star. And uh, that was that was kind of an albatross that dogged him for a while as the next big thing. But yeah, it it just introduced him now to rock radio was you know blaring "Born to Run" and it was a big hit. And now he was he was off and running. And then of course after this he got into the uh, legal troubles with his old manager, and so it was a while before he could get some new music out. But this one, yeah, started the ball rolling. Yeah.
0: And before we get into the live show, because how can you talk about Bruce Springsteen without talking about the live show? Every once in a while, and I haven't brought this up with, you know, I didn't bring this up with The Ultimate Sin. I didn't bring it up with Ram, although maybe a little bit with Ram. This is, this this album is iconic in itself, the cover. And the I'm cover. holding it, and I'm kind of displaying it here. I know this is the radio. This is a I'm podcast. wearing it on my t-shirt. This, you, Man, you see this, and yeah. this is just one of the most famous, famous
1: album covers in rock history. And then, then you open it up. Hey, where's that? Like we used to do as kids with the album. No, the the front. And you've got Clarence on the other side, and it makes it that big fold. Yeah, you know, that fold was fantastic. That whole cover shot. I want to talk about Clarence in a little bit. Too. Yeah. I want to talk about Clarence. And
0: and, and thank goodness, Um, uh, the first, when I did, I, I've seen Springsteen once, and I know that's going to pale in comparison to to what the numbers you're going to throw at us here. It's almost like, he's almost like a Rundgren. Fan the way they throw it, the way he's throwing he'll throw these numbers out. Uh, but I, I feel very blessed in the fact that I was able to see, and it was almost 20 some years ago, uh, but to see uh, Bruce with Clarence. Let, let, let's um, let's talk about the live show. Yeah. Uh,
1: how many times have you seen him? Uh, I'm, I'm the last count, 28. There you go. Um. <laughs>
0: see? See, that, and you know, when I say Todd Rundgren, you know what I'm yeah, talking about. Exactly you know how you Todd's mean. fans yeah. are. Yep, yep, <laughs> that, yep. I mean, Jesus, I have a Todd Rundgren buddy. I swear to God, it's it's like in the 50s. It's it's yeah.
1: it's ridiculous. I will say, I will admit that some of those numbers go up because I'm counting times like when he came to town for a political rally and just did like three songs. I counts? I'm you count that? that. Okay. You, oh, my God, Thank you count you, that. I don't want to have yeah. to go to the judges, but that counts. No,
0: it counts. Yeah, so I'm counting all of those. So I y- saw Kip Winger at a, at a book signing. I'm counting <laughs> it. <laughs> all right? I'm
1: counting it. <laughs> I'm with you. So, yeah, 28 and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so twenty
0: eight. Them... Well, what, so what is it? I mean, what what talk to? I mean, you're the you're you're the Bruce fan. I mean, and look, I know, I know, I was impressed. I you know what? And I went a guy who's he works up in Detroit now. Riff, remember Mark Pennington? Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Coondog, Coondog. So Mark Pennington, he's like, and he was a he's a big Springsteen guy. Mm-hmm. So he took me to my first. This was you know late '90s or whatever, and I went to see my first uh, Springsteen show. And I remember there was one moment and Bruce had on like this flannel shirt right he had a like a like a like a tank top almost underneath it but he had this and I'll get to why I know he had a tank top underneath. Oh, so he jumps yeah. up he jumps up on top of the piano and he's acting like should I take this off? Should I take this should I take this flannel off? And like I'm screaming and Coon, and Mark Pennington he's screaming we're screaming <laughs> and we looked at each other and he's like did we just ask that man to take his (laughs) shirt off? And I'm like, yeah, we did. And he did did it, and we were excited about it. And that is the Bruce Springsteen experience. He just It doesn't matter how big that damn crowd is, it seems like a small venue,
1: and he just seems like he's right there with you. It's like the church of rock and roll. And I've I've seen him in all types, all sizes of venues, And, and you're right. I mean, there's other times when I've seen him in the very quiet acoustic shows where... Tom so, Joad, right? Wasn't that Tom one Did was that? Did
0: you, go, did you go to that one? Yeah, Tom Joad,
1: Devils and Dust was another. Yeah. Um, and there are times when he wouldn't even sing with a microphone. It was just like being in his living room. He would just go away from the microphone and sing to you like he's come to your house. How did you, how did you, what do you think of a... So when an artist, like a lot
0: of times, you know, we've talked about this on the show, with people, it's either with either some of my favorite bands or some of the other people's, the guests, their favorite artists and when they go on this journey and they try different things sometimes you jump off i don't think you've ever
1: really jumped off no, have you and no. i mean
0: what do how do you no, I mean, what, what is it i mean what what
1: what well, keeps you on the ride the the times when he does those quiet shows i think he's at least to me if you're tuned into to what he's doing uh, you're you you know what kind of a tour he's doing and i've been at those shows where he's doing all deep Cuts and you bring up Rungren. I was at a Rungren show oh, yeah. one time I mean, and he did nothing. Yeah. No, with he, deep no, he cuts. still
0: he still does that. George, he I didn't still know does any that. of them. And yeah. so,
1: so I, and there was a guy next to me at this Deep Cut Springsteen show who was not digging it because he wasn't doing Glory Days. I was like, Bud, this is not that show. No, and I loved every second of it. I because know you do. I knew yeah. I knew all these songs, but I totally understand. You know, and I, I think for Bruce's part, they they do try to make it clear that when it's not that kind of show. But some people don't always get the message, and they and they're and they're not not satisfied with that not doing the radio hits understood but again I think it's a conversation with his fans and his audience and I'm yeah I'm ready for each and every time yeah talk about Clarence
0: and and, and honestly we're going to talk about Clarence Clemens and it's it's his right hand man I oh, mean yeah. yeah and and you've seen shows without Clarence here over the last few years I mean what's the vibe man I mean it's got to be I mean I just remember when the first time I saw him I mean Bruce Springsteen comes out, the E Street band, they were all back together when I saw him. And I remember I even at the very beginning took my eyes off of I mean, you think you we talk about the Max Weinbergs and the Van Zantz and the you talk about just the people that are there. Yeah. And I'll be damned if I wasn't looking for 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 Clarence. I was I was like,
1: you know, he's such an he's such an iconic He did, yeah. It, he he became such a huge figure. And obviously they called literally, him a big, man. The big yeah, man, yeah. Literally. But Bruce has been very open in everything he's written and everything he's talked about of how much Clarence changed his life, changed the band, changed his life and he he has such reverence for him. Uh, and of course, now as a departed member of the band, but but back then, yeah, he became he became just this larger-than-life figure in the band that as as the shows went on, all he had to do, you know... Oh, yeah, man. Do I have to speak his name? And that's <laughs> right. Bruce would say that all the time. Yeah. Do I have to say his name? No! People right. are just screaming. And he became that figure. And, and, and as the years went on, and his health declined, and he had a hard time getting around the stage, he would have a stool and he would just sit there. But still, just the fact that he was the big man with the saxophone. First show without him. What, was, what happened? Talk, well, talk about the scene. Did Bruce address it? I mean,
0: obviously he did, but I mean... Talk about that whole vibe, that first show you saw without Clarence Clemens. Yeah,
1: that first tour, I went to Cleveland to see it first, uh, I think, before either. They didn't have a Columbus show right away. Uh, So I went to Cleveland to see that. And um, it was, they had the big picture of Clarence up on the Jumbotron. And of course, it's Jake Clemens, uh, Clarence's nephew who's filling in now who's doing the saxophone now oh wow so yeah it was a he he had the big gigantic photo of Clarence up there very very reverential but still at the same time joyful because as Bruce has said you know he's still here because we're all here you know and he said that and it's it's not like he was going to fold the band but still celebrate his memory and celebrate his what his contribution to the band uh, through that, through the music now, and the family lineage of his nephew doing the saxophone. And, and one of my favorite,
0: and he has so many big moments. We're talking about Clarence now. So many big moments on the records throughout the years and the solos, and you think about it. One that really, and I and I marked it down because it's something that I can remember back in school, uh, in college, and I always bring back college, you know, because that's when my buddies and I would always come back and we'd, we'd jam on albums and stuff, and uh, Jungle Land. I mean, oh. I think that is, that's probably one, I mean... I don't know. Now you, you're like I said, you're a diehard. I would love to know what you think about that and how that song, as far as Clarence's role and and just the moment there in that song with the sax, no, that's you, up there, right? Isn't that, that is, is that regarded? I mean, where is that in in the group? That uh, for, is that is okay.
1: number. That you you hit it right on the head. That is the the capper. That that saxophone solo. And it's funny. I've read a few different um, a few different depictions of how that came about. Um, some stories I've read is that. He did many, many, many takes. It's a long song. It's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's
0: it's a nine and a half minute long yeah. song. Did
1: many takes, uh, and then Bruce went back and took little bits of each take to assemble that what the one he wanted. Now, in the autobiography that just came out that Bruce wrote himself, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say it didn't happen. So in other in other stories that I've read. Where he put it together through little bits, um, that sounded like something that the meticulous Springsteen would do. Although he doesn't actually say that in his in his autobiography, but however it came about, you are right. That is the moment. That is the capper, an incredible saxophone solo.
0: And 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 really to to be a saxophone player and think about all the the people not not in rock and roll but just all around in any type of music, how many yeah. legendary players there've been. When you hear Clarence, you know it, man. Yeah, yeah. That's and that's a
1: signature sound, George. And that that yeah. Jungle Land solo is so perfect for the song because it, it it you know it ebbs and flows. It has there's so much emotion and it. it takes you up and then down and just the perfect capper for the 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 ride you've been on through that as you say nine and a half minute song. It's perfect.
0: Uh, remember, you can access vinyl analysis at qfm96.com. Uh, that's the station that we're based at here in Columbus, Ohio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, want to remind you that if you listen to Vinyl Analysis on iTunes, please leave comments. Please leave comments, right? Good ones. I, I told, you, Yeah, well, no, <laughs> it doesn't always have to be that. It doesn't always have to be that. We just want some. Just give us a little something. Right? <laughs> a little good, a some. little bad, just give us something. Or a saxophone. Uh, and, uh, George, I want to talk about the podcast that you have, which is awesome in and of itself. Oh, thank you. Uh, the one that you and your wife do, and I, I want to talk about that. But I, I kind of told you beforehand, and this is the second week in a row where we've had a Charlie Lake uh, story. Yeah, and and I remember now Charlie Lake was a program director uh, at the uh, station that we work at here in, in Columbus at QFM ninety six. This would have been back in the the mid to late nineties, and also in the early two thousands. Um, but he,
1: but he worked. He worked in all different guy, versions of the business. I he mean, he was, was a record man. He was
0: he was Minute Works yeah.
1: uh, manager yeah.
0: here in uh, in the U.S. North
1: American manager. Yeah. If
0: if you look at you know business as usual, look at look at uh, any of your Minute Work records. The first the first two or three, and you'll see Charlie Lake's That's name funny. in there, right? Yeah. Uh, he also was with CBS Records. Uh, I mean, some of the stories he would talk about to uh, George, George Harrison. Harrison, Harrison on and, promo tours. Uh, was, yeah. This guy was, and this is the guy also that really gave me my first full-time gig mm-hmm. in radio. So Charlie has a, a very important uh, place in my heart. Um, but this story, and I don't want to go into too much detail because the facts were kind of, I, I don't remember exactly, but you'll you'll appreciate this, George. Okay, okay. So uh, the reason was back in the, so this would have been in the late 90s, uh, the Goo Goo Dolls were, and this is before Iris, they were kind of taken off a little bit. They had kind of a, they were trying to be the replacements there in Buffalo, and then they had it. But anyway, my wife was a big fan. They were coming in, and I think it was right around the time of Iris and the release of the, the big hit that kind of took them off. Uh, they were going to do Rockline at uh, at the studios oh, yeah, there at yeah, QFM yeah. 96. Yeah. My wife, a huge, huge Johnny Resnick and, and Goo Goo Dolls fan. And uh, and I, I kind of started liking him because my wife was into him or whatever she was into him in college, and I told Charlie I was like you know I really want to get my wife up here to meet Johnny Resnick. He goes I don't know Arch. He goes you might have the old yeah, it's the, it's the old Bruce Springsteen if you do that. And I was like what do you <laughs> the old Bruce Springsteen what do you? He's like yeah man he goes uh, I had this buddy, and it was back in the seventies, and he said that. Uh, this guy's wife was a big Bruce Springsteen fan, and he took her backstage to meet, and she was a, uh, how do we say uh, in the business, she was a looker,
1: <laughs> okay? <laughs>
0: she goes backstage, and well, let's just say, her and Bruce hit it off. Okay, then. And then she told him, guess what? I am leaving, and I am to- I'm going on the road with Bruce wow. Springsteen. Hello. So, wow. needless to say, uh, Brenda, my wife, did not get to fucking meet Johnny Resnick.
1: <laughs> so Charlie Lake,
0: good looking out. Well, but I, every time I, I, you know, a lot of times when I think about Bruce and because, and look, and I don't know how your wife feels, I don't know how your wife feels, but my wife, she loves Bruce Springsteen, just thinks he's one of oh, the sexiest men yes. ever. So when I when I see Bruce, I always think. Of the Charlie Lake story <laughs> about this this guy taking Can't his wife blabber. backstage and then she just left. And she was with Bruce for like ah, two or three years.
1: That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, when, I, when my wife and I first started dating, I was already seriously into Bruce. She was not, but she has come along and has embraced it full stop. Yeah. And over the years that we saw him together, we had different seating sometimes far back we we got in the third row for the secret session show right on and uh so but anyway so for this this last tour that he was in columbus we did the whole thing we got into the pit we got ran down there when they opened the doors Got right on the railing. So I knew. I knew he was coming by. So when he when he went into Hungry Heart, here he comes. I, I, <laughs> I got the phone out. I got the phone out. And darned if he didn't shake my wife's hand. And I got it all on tape. And she just about had a coronary. So I know. I, I, I didn't get a, a handshake. I, I patted him on the back as he went past. So That's, well, that was our moment. Let's hey. Just thank your lucky stars that that was all that happened, George. Okay? Just thank your lucky stars that that's all that happened. Although we did get a few years before, though, we did get to go backstage and meet little Steven. I didn't feel that there was as much of a danger no, there. No, no. <laughs> no.
0: And I love Dude, think about the guys. He was great. No, oh, he was great. And I, I love him. I loved a lot of his solo yeah. stuff. I'm a huge fan Disciples of little Steven. of soul, yeah. You're yeah. damn right, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's uh. He is a big part of like garage rock yes. and, and, and that whole vibe. And I'm yes. a huge fan of his man. Isn't it amazing? You think about Max, a legendary drummer, and his son. His son. Are you flipping in kidding Slipknot. me? Slipknot. He's in Slipknot, dude. And then you think about uh, uh, Van Zant. Uh, we talked about Clarence Clemens. Uh, also, the uh, the uh, the rhythm guitar. Speaking of, sh- of smaller dudes, which yeah, Nils Lofgren. Nils
1: Lofgren. yeah, has been in the band. And then for the one tour, he had Tom Morello join the band for that. <laughs> for that, right. no, I Yeah, know that. yeah, for yeah that, man. Yeah, for the High Hopes tour, he had Tom Morello cool. on the record and out on the road, which gave it an incredibly different vibe for that one tour. So yeah, it, it was great.
0: The uh, Spotify playlist is a nice accompaniment to vinyl analysis episodes. You can search for Archie. Vinyl analysis. Uh, George Wolf in with us. Uh, like I said, radio personality, film critic, podcaster himself, uh, musician. What was it? What's the name of your band? Transfat. Transfat Orchestra. There TFO. you go. There If you go. you're in town,
1: <laughs> if you're in town in Columbus, Ohio, over the Thanksgiving holiday, it's our big. It's our big gig. The night before Thanksgiving, we do a uh, pre-holiday bash at Woodlands Tavern. In Grandview, so come on down. Talk
0: about the podcast that you and your wife have to, because it's 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 uh, how many years you guys have been doing this? And I mean, oh. honestly, you guys have been doing this for. A, give a little backstory about well, the whole thing with yeah. you and Hope. Year,
1: years ago, uh, we were the film critics for the other paper here in town, on alt weekly that uh, was, I miss that so yes, much. I'm, yes. I'm drinking so, a beer. and so we story. <laughs> so we were the the film critics for the other paper, and then about four years ago, when it ceased publication, yeah. we didn't want to stop doing it, so we took it. Online and my wife's name is Hope Madden, so uh, we have MadWolf.com. See, see, see what they it's did clever. there. See it's what clever. they did there. It's all showbiz. uh dot is the website, and it's grown really nicely. It in, sure in, has, in George. Fact, in fact, this last just a few months ago, it was it was uh, picked as one of the top 100 movie blogs in the world by Feedspot Blog Reader. I know, man.
0: Is that so? Dumb? Yeah, right. So
1: yeah, so we do one of the podcasts. We have a special emphasis on horror movies. So twice a month, we do. It's called Fright club fright club feel you, free to talk about Fright your, Club. your,
0: your guys play on words is like <laughs> a whole
1: other level so we do that uh twice a month and then every week we do we concentrate on all the new movies that come out and that's the screening room podcast uh so we do and then we do that one right here and greg is our is a big help for that as well so uh yeah we got a lot of movie stuff going on as i said that's one of the things that drew me in you know to bruce it's very cinematic in his in his presentation not only the songs but his his show and so it maybe it feeds kind of the same scratches kind of the same itch but yeah it's a we're, we're very much into movies so check out the yeah those give us podcasts. all the avenues give
0: us all the avenues yeah. where we can check you out
1: madwolf.com is the website we're on twitter we're madwolf that's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. on uh, facebook and instagram it's madwolfcolumbus so uh, lots of ways to get in touch and we'd love to have you
0: now I wanna go through some songs yeah. that we can throw onto the Spotify playlist. Okay. And and let me just say this. He threw out my favorite. I was gonna wait and I was gonna throw this at him and, and be him and be like, wow, Arch, that's kinda cool. My favorite Springsteen song is Prove It All Night. Yeah. So that's that's like my favorite one. And I got to hear him. The show I went to, he played it. Yeah. Which was just huge for me. I that was that was a big one. Uh cover me, and I don't I don't know where you stand with the whole uh, Born in the USA. If that's something you poo poo, or uh, no, but I do. Really I like th- the other songs on that. I mean, Downbound Train. Love and, Downbound Train. Come on, man! Love, I love that stuff. And love Downbound the Train. The ones that aren't played as much, yeah. You know, I, I really gravitate to. And and I do. Born in the USA. You know, I talk about. I always joke around how some of the songs that I like from artists are the ones that the diehard fans hate. Yeah. You know, like with the Jackson Brown fans, when I say I love Lawyers in Love. They almost want to fight you, you know what I mean. And Rundgren fans are the same way, man. If you bring, you know, well, you just came here to hear "Hello, it's me," right? You know, I'd like to hear it. Maybe yeah. one of the what? songs that but I know. But you're not. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get any of that. But uh, so let's 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 keep it here on uh, on this album right here. Well, uh, Born to Run. What, what is, it's, yeah, go it's ahead, bro. funny, Though
1: before you mentioned yeah. you mentioned "Prove It All Night," oh. that I remember. There's some live versions of that song that have a very famous, among Bruce Springsteen fans, intro. It's the extended intro. And one of the um, places you can get that is in the... CD version that he finally released of the famous show that was broadcast live in uh, in Cleveland at the Agora back in the day, back in 78. And I used to carry around. We were just talking about this, George. I used to carry around a cassette because QFM 96 replayed that broadcast in the 80s when Bruce was breaking big, and I taped it off of QFM96 so, and it had right, it right? had that extended version on there and I carried that cassette around and then for a while I I transferred my favorite songs over to CD but it still sounded like crap and then when Bruce started authorizing some of these famous shows, that was, I think, the second CD release. And, boy, I got it the first day. It's in my truck right now. And I could finally get rid dude, of dude, that I'm consent, telling you, I'm telling you, man. Because I right? love that version of Prove It All Night. It's a great song anyway, but I love that extended version.
0: So, George, uh, and, and let me just tell you this. for And George and I have known each other for 20-some years. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, it's really hard for me to call him George. I've been calling him Jorge for, like, <laughs> that's the, all right. our, our entire... Fr- I, I have been calling him Jorge, and I just... Anyway, it's just... I think I've done really good, George, oh, don't you think? It's, it's fine. People call me that all the time. It's so, fine. Uh, okay, so Thunder <laughs> Road, obviously going to make the cut. 10th Avenue freeze out. Uh, on that first side, and I'll let you go back tonight if that's something you want to, but Backstreets, when we're talking about a story, oh. that's one of those ones... So what's the deal? His friend Terry didn't make it, right? I mean, that's a song about his friend Terry. I mean, that's one of those ones where you think about cruising around with your friends. That's a driving song. I mean, it that's is, and it's
1: a it's at a, night. I love that song so much, uh, and it's a song about moving on, about leaving maybe childhood behind and having to grow up maybe when you don't want to accept those adult responsibilities. Maybe that's why I'm. Maybe that's uh, why I love that song. <laughs> I love that song. Me love, too, man. Love, love it. Me you too. Know, and, and Terry went. I hated. I hated him, and I hated you when you went away. Yeah. Oh. Those yeah, those lines. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm seriously I'm, yeah, I'm with I'm you, man. Goosebumps. I'm with you. I love that song so much and the story that it tells and and when it lets you fill in those gaps about maybe what you think is happening there. Maybe it's not what Bruce intended, but that's the the beauty of it. You can what it means to you. And that's what it means to me is is uh people that have to make those choices and maybe life isn't turning out how they envisioned and they have to face come to grips with that.
0: Second side, obviously, we're going to go with "Born to Run." Uh, Jungle Land is something that we uh, discussed as well.
1: Um, but let me, are let, the, uh, yeah, go let ahead, me George. George. Roll, Roll, roll for a song called "Meeting Across the River." Okay, there I we lo- go. Second side. I love that song so much. He's played it it's pretty
0: slow, isn't it? It like is mellow. It's cool, though. Yeah,
1: it's he's played it very rarely um, in concert. I love it because it's like this little, it's like this little vignette of a story that would. I could almost see it in like a a Broadway show. It tells this fantastic story of these two, it's really told by by one, like you get the idea that he's a small-time gangster. You know, he wants to be, you know, he wants to move up. You know, uh, he wants to impress his friends, impress the people ahead of him, and he's got this big score that you know is never going to happen. And he says he's going to, this is going to happen he's going to walk through that door and throw the money on the bed and then he's going to be a big time guy it's not going to happen you know it's not <laughs> going to happen you know right <laughs> so, and he tells it here stick this in your pocket it look like you're carrying a friend you know he's got this big. they're going to try to be tough guys they're going to go across the river they're going to get this score and they're really going to make it it's not going to happen and you can just feel that his desperation and the hope that he can make a better life for himself and just the 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 despair and the and the hope and the sorrow in this song, I I love it. It's just this short little vignette in in the middle of this whole album. But I, man, it for me it takes the whole album on a little pivot, and I've always loved it. And I don't think it's a song that maybe enough people talk about in all the great anthems on this album. I, I I love that song. Does he ever do it live? I've never seen him do it live. I've got this little app called Bruce Fanatic. Uh, uh, really, uh, George? You yeah. <laughs> okay? <laughs> that you can you can put in a song and it will tell you. How many times he's done it? Where and when he's done it? And uh, he's he rarely, rarely. I've never seen him do it. I would love it if I did. I
0: have an app that tells me where I can buy in Ohio Dave Mustaine's beer. <laughs> is that, I do. Is I'll show you. Hands, Mary. Shush. We're learning a lot about each other. It's, we really are. We really. If there is There's an one app of, for everything. If there, there is an app for everything. <laughs> uh, if there is a song that's not on this album that people might with something you want to kind of turn someone on to, uh, being the uh, the big Springsteen fan you are. Is there another song because? I would love to throw a little extra something on the Spotify playlist that maybe uh, maybe we're missing. You know that maybe it's not on board and run. Is there another song that's one of your favorites? Something you love to hear live? What talk yes, to us, George? Okay,
1: well, and they are especially live versions. I love the live version of a song called Youngstown. You know, it was one of those acoustic, stripped-down songs, which is which is great as right. it is on uh, the Ghost of Tom Joad. But then the live version on off the double album, Live in New York City, which I think is a great, great, great live album. It has so much power with the band. And same goes for a, a song uh, called um, Lost in the Flood. Now, that was a song from from early, before Born to Run. But it takes on so much power um, in the live in New York City version with, with the full band. I love it. And also from... Um, darkness song called racing in the street it's another one that tells such a story you know you have that opening line about i got a 69 chevy with a 396 fueling heads and Hell a horse yeah, on the man. floor yeah. and then at the end yeah. then it goes through all this story and at the end the closing line is tonight my baby and me are going to ride to the sea and wash these sins off our hands and how you go again how you go from that opening to that closing what's the story how do these characters get there i, I love it love it so much
0: George Wolf, um,
1: thank you. Thank,
0: thank you. Thank you so much. And and honest to God, we're gonna we have to figure out what the hell we're we gonna do in season three. We gotta get George back
1: on and <laughs> we'll have to meet somewhere in the middle with I don't know. No, this has been a great treat. I can't thank you guys enough. I I, I love the music, love talking about it, and I, I love this podcast, so thank you. Awesome.
0: Good stuff. Once again, if people want to catch uh, your Own hope's uh, podcast, where, where can they yeah, do you that again? You can find
1: us, find everything madwolf.com, madwolf on Twitter, and madwolfcolumbus on Facebook. There you go. That is George Wolf. Thank you so much, George. That was a good one. And I'm Arch Madness.
0: I want to thank the best producer in the business, yeah. Greg Hansberry. Yeah. They're not booing. They're saying, Greg. It doesn't doesn't work that way. But anyway, I'm March Madness, and this has been Vinyl Analysis. (laughs) Did we just ask that man to take his shirt off? (laughs)